Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Comics Deserve Better podcast, where we talk about the wonderful worlds of DC and Marvel. Indie comics, get the heck out. We're here to talk about DC and Marvel like always. And with me, as always, are my two lovely hosts, Carrie. Hello. And Richard. Hey. Yay. I hope you guys are doing well. Yeah. Not like we were just talking right before we were recording. But Meh. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> All right. well, as always, I like to break the ice and I and since the day we are recording, because we are recording this episode a little bit late, it's opening day of baseball. And this is actually the first time personally that I've been really interested in baseball because they've made some rule changes, which include like there's a, there's actually a timer now when it comes to uh, when, you know, for pitchers, basically they have to. Uh, they have to actually not just stand around and pitch the ball. <laughs> and then uh, also there, there's like a limit of times that they can throw over to a base to, um, to try to get a runner back to the base as well as um, the, what one interesting, very interesting thing they changed was uh, there's no more shifts. Everyone, everyone's got to stay in place essentially. Um, so um, that stuff is, it's very exciting to me. Plus also the world baseball classic, I guess was a big hit. Um, and so, you know, I'm actually like, you know, really interested right now. And, and we'll see how many games that last. Like, do you guys feel the same? Like, are you guys interested in baseball this year with those those rule changes or same as always? Um, same. So baseball was the first sport I ever loved and mm-hmm. I fell out of love with it. So I kind of just check into the postseason. But no, I definitely have a, a little bit more interest than usual just because there's new rule changes this year. But we'll see. But I don't know if it's going to get me to watch on a regular basis again. But, like, no, baseball, like, I want to say 30 years ago this year was the first year that uh, we had a baseball team down here. The, the Miami, well, now Miami Marlins, the old Florida Marlins. And mm-hmm. I was obsessed when I was a kid. Like, <laughs> like I want to say, like, 9 to 12 years old. Like, I was obsessed with baseball. Like, um, I would be list. I wouldn't be able to watch TV but like I would be listening to West Coast games against the Dodgers to like one in the morning East Coast time, even though I was a little kid at school the next day. Oh wow, that's awesome! Yeah, Fair so enough. I don't know if I'll get back to that level, but definitely yeah. those new rule changes do intrigue me. Yeah, and uh, I actually feel that's exactly kind of how I feel too, because baseball was like a first love of mine as well, and I kind of fell out of it. And I, I I discovered the whole country the, did, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> it's not just us. I, I discovered. I discovered the cruel, the cruel temptress of uh of hockey, where there's action all the time. You know, like it's yeah. it's kind of nice. But how about how about you, Carrie? Um, so fun fact: my first kiss in high school was from a baseball player. Oh, <laughs> Jose Canseco. So. Ew, Ooh. that's disgusting. <laughs> no, so um, I have always had an affinity for people who play baseball, and I love me some baseball uniforms. I love me some baseball players. Anytime we're going to watch baseball, it's the most fucking boring sport in the world, but I'm down to watch it on mute. Yeah. So like, Carrie's like, Carrie's like their butts <laughs> look very tight in those pants. That's exactly <laughs> why I like that boy in high school. But, um, <laughs> no, I mean, for real, but, um, for the it, listeners, Brian just put on a baseball cap and he's wearing a glove and carrying a bat all of a sudden. It's very weird. I got the eye black underneath the eyes. So, so, but um it's 
I'm one of those people where I like the social aspect of sports watching. Mm -hmm. So we've gone to baseball games together and it's always been fun because like that's just like an enjoyable experience because we're drinking and like hanging out or like watching football with dad or doing stuff like that. So I'm not really I'm a I'm a casual sports fan. I don't really understand most rules of most sporting things I I couldn't tell you mm-hmm. I mean baseball I'm probably the most knowledgeable about like shortstop and first baseman and stuff but like I um I can't say that these rules are going to affect my watching okay. so much it's just I if it's a reason to watch good looking men run around then I am for it well. it's like rugby yeah so they... the, the whole thing with the rules Carrie is that uh-huh. when we were kids and probably watching more baseball like probably all of us because we were about the same age uh-huh. the games were about two hours and like 70 minutes mm-hmm. and now they're like closer to four hours the last few yeah. years so now in preseason with these rule changes the games have been around two two and a half hours yep, so people exactly. are just like just on the stance of that like hey Things are going to be happening faster. You're not investing so much time. Like the same way we complain about movies, that they're like, hey, it might just be better and more people will watch this because it's not such a huge commitment. Exactly. And I was like, yeah, you might get me on that, actually. <laughs> or, or it's like, you know, like, oh, I know this book is great, but it's 500 pages. Hint, hint to what we read to this week. <laughs> so maybe, maybe it's a little more daunting than it should be because it's still an excellent book. But uh, but yeah, um, but Carrie, when even though the the uh, games will be two hours long, she'll, it'll still be four and a half hours because she'll have it on slow mo. <laughs> I'll be like, look at him run. <laughs> look at this. It'll, this is all uh, inappropriate. You'll, 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 you'll somehow get like the VHS like like tracking lines in the actual TV somehow. Like, like that's how, that's how no. much slow motion pausing there will be. Okay, all right, well. Consider the ice. Uh, well, happy opening day, everyone. Yeah, happy, there you go. Exactly. All right. Well, um, happy comics. Comics well. deserve better is a uh, hoardy for baseball. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> shirts. Okay. All right. Uh, so, all right. Time to go into our regular scheduled episode. Thank you, everyone, once again for joining us. Well, as always, go into our DC Marvel adaptation corner. Uh, we actually have some pretty big news this week. Um, Ike Perlmutter, the uh, the head of Marvel, like Cinematic Universe, and Marvel. no, no, not the no Marvel Studios, or Marvel uh, the comic book shop. Yeah, Marvel, yeah. Marvel Entertainment. They they uh, got him away from the movies because a lot of his decisions were uh, sexist and bigoted. Yeah, you didn't <laughs> like or or non-white people. Yep, <laughs> I, I do remember that. In fact, I in fact before hearing this news. I forgot that he was still there. <laughs> I guess, yeah, like, no, he was yeah. a big Trump supporter, and like he was like doing shadow foreign policy about Israel at like Mar-a-Lago. Mm-hmm. Just not a swell dude. Not a swell dude at all. <laughs> yeah, I've I've not heard anybody be sad that he's gone. Um, <laughs> which I mean, like, it's always sad when someone loses their job. But you know what? He's a billionaire. And like, right, right. Not like, a yeah. good person. Also, it's not always sad when someone loses their job. It's sad yeah. someone loses their job when they need the money. Exactly. <laughs> if it's just like some rich person, then it's just like, yeah, you know, you'll just be rich and get another job. That's how that yeah. works. Yeah, enjoy your vacation. <laughs> That's basically what this is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah. I'm glad, glad to hear. Yeah, I know. Like, there's been some major uh, sea change in in like 
with Marvel. And um, the one that got well, me like sad- the, the part that's sad about it, it's part of like Disney's initiative to like uh downsize by like seven thousand people or something yeah, crazy. Exactly. So that's like yeah. the, the overall story sucks, but it's just like, oh well, at least one hassle got fired. Mm-hmm. And and last week they, they fired the person who's been the head of the special effects for a long time. Um, well yeah, yeah, yeah. That well the special effects have been getting pilloried uh, for years in a lot of those Marvel movies. So. They have. And I think I, I honestly feel, though, that like, um, you know, some people did say like that the person who was running the special effects were kind of, was kind of like was like on a power streak, you know, where they were just kind of, you know, like ruling the world, the ruling everybody with the iron fist. But uh, honestly, I mean, there's know, no other way to rule, no, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't mean Danny Rand when I say. What do you want to rule? You want to rule with compassion, Brian? That's not what we yeah. do here. It's like <laughs> have empathy. <laughs> empathy, get out. You know, we don't need you. Um, but yeah, but but still, like in that case, I was sad. You know, to hear about that. But yeah, not yeah. Perlmutter can go fuck himself. Um, <laughs> and he has time to now. So I was gonna say, strangely, that's his king. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So yeah. Um, yeah, we're we're not definitely not a pro pro mutter podcast. Okay. Well, that's a good way to start an episode. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead and go into our spotlights where we each uh, always pick a good DC or Marvel book to talk about uh that we've read recently. Um since I did the main choice this week, um I'll go first so that uh we don't just go into me talking all the time. Go for it, Brian. Um mm-hmm. all right. Well, I chose um Stargirl, The Lost Children, number one through five, uh, by Jeff Johns, Todd Dwok, Walking on Heaven's Door, uh, Matt Herms, and Rob Lee, <laughs> DC Comics, obviously. Um, and yeah, so um, there's been a kind of an initiative to kind of go back. Like basically, Jeff Johns is getting uh, the JSA back together. He has the Justice Society ongoing. Well, I think it actually was a miniseries, but. Um, you know, with with everything that's going on um, with the Donna DC, part of it's kind of like bring back like, you know, the early 2000s vibe of like the JSA characters, and everything like that. And I can't complain about that because I I think that was one of the things that actually got me really into big two comics was uh, was definitely was the JSA run of Jeff John's Jones. original JSA run is like one the one of the books that turned me into like a DC fan. Like before yeah. I read random DC books and read almost exclusively Marvel, but like I read one or two DC books. And yeah. then when I read Justice Society, I was just like, oh, they're doing really dope shit over here. I need to start reading more. With with a bunch of characters that like you really don't ever, never hear about. And like Right. So like, and the thing yeah. is, is that it was so well written, well done. These characters that like I walked in having no, you know no experience with i ended up loving them yep exactly and so um so star girl the lost children basically um you know it stars courtney whitmore um as our as our main character and as as some of you may already know um she was actually based on jeff john's sister who had passed away at an early age um so and i believe that she was uh, that book was jeff john's like first uh, regular writing gig with uh dc it was yes, and so she, um, so the her whole backstory is basically that um, uh, her that the original like sidekick of the the original Star Spangled Kid, uh, becomes her stepfather, and then she finds the Star Spangled Kid's like gear and decides to become a superhero, and then she later inherits the Star Rod, uh, from when uh, when when um the Star when Starman retires and 
you know, essentially, so she's kind of like a legacy character on two different folds. Yeah, um, she's double legacy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so this whole story, basically, her, she she finds out that, um, so she's kind of like a historian of, like, classic superheroes. And she is like a, you know, she's kind of a fangirl of, like, classic, um, of classic, um, like, psychics, like, kid psychics. But she then finds proof of a psychic that she's never heard of that was around that time and she's kind of like surprised and it leads and also like there was a there was a call for help so it leads her and like her her bestie which i didn't know this until i started reading this i, I guess her bestie in the comics is emiko who's like the new red arrow um so and she um so they they team up together and they find this island and it turns out this person the name the childminder has been um basically luring and kidnapping children uh that were once like psychics and making the world forget about them for some nefarious reason that we actually haven't discovered exactly what it is yet because this is uh only issue five of six so we're not we're not there to the, the big <laughs> <laughs> but it's what's really cool about it is that there's a lot of like of like reference and love to like a bunch of golden age characters um and and then also I'm assuming most of these characters were invented by by like John and Walk and like the designs are really cool. Like you get like um you know the like basically any golden age character has a uh, a sidekick, including like a really cool like green skinned like witch girl who's like was Doctor Fate's like the original Doctor Fate sidekick. You know like there's like cool stuff like that. You know so um <laughs> yeah and and then like the the main villain Childminder she she's uh, very creepy like she's like an old lady with pink hair but she also has uh chicken legs. <laughs> oh, like a Baba Yaga. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so I yeah and and like the artwork's great. Um, you know like like the kids even though they're supposed to be working together to get off this island, they're kids. So they're just bitching at each other. <laughs> and so, you know, it's it's just like a good fun story. And also, um, I'm not gonna reveal um a couple of cool like um cameos, but one the person that's working for the main bad guy that the childminders are also working for, um, is a character we haven't seen in a very long time in the DC universe. And I thought that was really cool that they're there. And I'm kind of wondering why, you know, because they're usually a good guy. So I'm kind of wondering why they're a bad guy right now, but we'll find out. Also, um, uh, one of my favorite characters so far, design wise, as well as like personality, is Jay Garrick's daughter. Um, is introduced in this, uh, and she's known as the Boom, and she was like the uh, she was the sidekick of the Flash, um, obviously, <laughs> you know. So, so yeah, uh, this it's it's a pretty good series. Uh, if you have the DCU, um, the DCU subscription. Uh, this is one of those books that they've been putting out for free as it comes out, uh, which is nice, oh, nice. Like, instead of having to wait six months. Uh, oh. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's if you have it, so if you're, you haven't read this yet, please check it out. Also, it's, it's definitely worth picking it up weekly. And I'm assuming since we're getting to issue six pretty soon that maybe in a couple of months it'll be collected. So cool. Yeah, definitely recommend. All right. Very awesome, nice. Awesome. Awesome. Consider that light spotted or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, all right, <laughs> Richard, how about you? What is your spotlight this week? Oh, my spotlight this week, uh, continuing the uh, long tradition that everyone listening is aware of, of me rereading all my old Uncanny X-Men issues. <laughs> so I am at X-Men, Uncanny X-Men 327. Um, 
<laughs> it's by Scott Lobdell, Roger Cruz, Tim Townsend, and Al Mil Milgram. So this story is picking up. Uh, actually, this is in the mid '90s when I first started reading comics. So this is like among the first sets of comics I started reading. But in this issue that scored that has like a really dope uh, Joe Madureira cover, we finally mm -hmm. find out the fate of Magneto. The last time we saw Magneto, he was on his space station Am uh, Avalon, and it was crashing because uh, uh, the ill <laughs> the ill ill advised named uh, Holocaust had come over from the Age of Apocalypse and uh -oh. destroyed Magneto's space station because <laughs> apparently Magneto can't escape the Holocaust. It's not great. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, it was the, but it was the 90s. But it was yeah. the 90s. <laughs> so it is what it is. So basically, Magneto finds himself waking up being stared at by a bunch of children speaking Spanish. <laughs> and what he finds is that he has, like, crash-landed in uh, Guatemala. And he's like at a uh, like I don't know if it's a mission or or like a, a private school, but he's uh, found by a uh, uh, the children and a nun. And basically, the the nun like they find out pretty early that he has powers, and the nun is kind of nursing him back to help, but she sees that he's not a threat, and kind of you know lets him like lets him free and he's like living with them and working and he decides to shave because he's grown like a very fancy uh, magneto beard but mm -hmm. when he shaves what we find is that he's super young like you know magneto's an old guy and yeah. this guy is magneto but he's super young like he's like in his 20s um there's weird sexual tension between him and the nun yeah again, it was from the 90s but the nun's like I cannot be with you because I have already have a man. It's the Lord. Oh, it's real kind of <laughs> hokey. Yeah. <laughs> it's also the the 90s. So like the nut is drawn. Like everyone is, except for the children, are drawn super sexily. Like everyone's <laughs> just the hottest version of that person. It's like, there's no nuns that look that hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and basically there's some like, uh, you know, some like you know fake mafioso that comes to the cat the town and like basically co comes to get protection money from them and like Magneto scares them off then they come back and try to like uh, hurt the children so Magneto flips out and like murders all of them uh -oh. and basically they're like hey oh, oh my bad and also they named him Joseph because he has amnesia because again it's the 90s everyone has yes. amnesia I remember so, him being called Joseph, so but I don't, I don't know why. So, no, yeah. So the 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 uh, the uh, children named him Joseph. The children that found him. Yeah. Okay. So basically, now after he rescued them, but murdered all those people, and they saw what he's capable of, the nuns like, uh, everyone's terrified of you, and you probably can't stay here anymore. But I hope you find peace. And then she basically gives him a copy of Time magazine that has the X Men on it, and she's like, Hey, maybe you're like these people, and they could help you. And oh, it's like a very uh. Very uh, nice last panel of him like walking off into the sunset along the beach, and I guess he's gonna walk all the way to uh, Westchester from uh, Guatemala. Because <laughs> you know he can't fly. He's, oh, like, that's you know, awesome. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's a, it's a good issue. It was good when I read it the first time. It's good now, mm -hmm. and you know it's just another. You know, another stone in the building of me rereading all these uncanny X-Men issues that we all know that I do every week here. <laughs> yes, exactly. This is one of, of many, the, the newest edition of the Uncanny X-Men watch that we're doing. So, yeah. Um, now, now, uh, do you generally like the uh, the Lobdell era of Uncanny or are you? Well, uh... yeah, that's it's literally right when I started collecting comics. So, like, I think it still holds okay. up for the most part, but also I have that whole nostalgia factor because... 
a lot of the books that he wrote are books that I read over and over and over again. Yeah. I oh, do yeah. feel like um like it's an improvement over some of the pre like I feel like the early 90s were worse for X-Men. So like when Lobdell came aboard, like, you know, there was a lot of, you know, big events like Onslaught and everything, but at least it was kind of mo more coherent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. As, Whereas um, I feel like in the early 90s, kind of those books were just doing their own thing. No, I totally get it because um, as a person who's who's kind of doing the same thing you are, but through Daredevil, um, yeah, when I got into the 90s stuff, um, it got kind of all over the place and <laughs> I was kind of surprised. <laughs> like, and, and then like crossover this, crossover, you know, like, like, oh, no, don't forget you have to read Fantastic Four and Nomad and mm -hmm. and Captain America in order to get the entire story. Out. Oh, definitely. This era of X-Men, you need to be reading almost all the X-Men books because oh, they wow. crisscross in that way. And I think there's probably like eight titles at the time coming out every month, plus mm -hmm. one shots in a miniseries. So oh, it, wow. it was a lot. Yeah. So something I've mentioned before um on this on this uh, podcast but i've always been very interested in in checking out the the triangle era of superman for that reason because like the, you know there was like five superman books but they all uh were in oh. continuity with each other they all continued the story with each other you know i, I was know. like triangle era and i was yeah. like oh okay i know what he's talking about yeah yeah. So basically, every month those Superman books would come out, and it's not a triangle; it's Superman Shield, like the yeah. little, the little crest of Superman. And then, like for that month, it would have like a one on it, or a two, or a four, so you would know that where it goes in like continuity the of the books that came that month, though. Yeah. Oh wow! So you're basically yeah. reading super a uh, Superman story weekly. So what? Right. Um, what? What time period are we looking at? The, uh, uh, around Death of Superman. So I want to say somewhere around like 91, 92, 93. Yeah. Wait, Death of Superman was that long ago? Yes, it was. Yeah. It, yeah. In fact, it just celebrated its 30th anniversary. You know what's funny is that like we have a copy of that because my dad, like like we've talked about this before, like it was over hyped up and yeah. overprinted and blah, blah, blah. So it's worthless. But like we who I didn't read comics as a kid except for the Barbie and like the disney comics we have a copy of that that was like my first dc comic and it's like awesome. literally in like perfect condition in oh, nice. um in my extra room like yeah. i know where exactly where it is which i just think it's so weird I've, I've never seen your copy of it and i'm wondering is it the one that came in like the black miler bag yeah oh okay cool yeah that one's actually if there's one that's like worth anything that would be that one but oh, it's interesting. still not worth a lot yeah <laughs> yeah yeah still. for sure but yeah right but, it, it's know, it's not worth the amount that the the yeah monumentness of the occasion should make it yeah. worth and, yeah absolutely. but the but the sentimentality is there and like it right. is like an epic part of like the dc universe well it's it's such a it's such a vivid memory yeah. for me that i feel like it happened in 99 exactly. so richard when you said it was like 91 through 93 i was like oh my gosh that's forever ago yeah, yeah that was no yeah they just actually they celebrated the uh the um 30th anniversary but they also put like a, a new a bunch of versions of books but like you know whatever month it came out like they put out 30th anniversary death of superman books last year oh yeah or the, yeah kind of like the reprint facsimile versions that came oh, out no 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 they did oh. that as well but like no there was like a new book that was just celebrating oh. the death of superman like a 30th anniversary book that they put out uh like the end of, towards the end of last year i believe totally missed it that's awesome, though. That and you call awesome. us a uh, DC Marvel comic yeah. book Everyone. podcast. 
you know, everyone's <laughs> well. I we need to be more on top of it, Brian. Yeah, I know. Definitely. We really people we're come really here talking. for their DC Marvel coverage. Absolutely. Well, I hope that uh, <laughs> we got some new listeners in because of what we're covering. You you've already probably read the title of this episode, and this and and as we get into it, I just have to kind of give a quick spoiler alert that this is probably my favorite DC book of all time, if not my favorite big two oh, wow. book of all time, like that we're doing. Um, so I think that's a good way to lead into our uh, main subject. Then, if you guys are ready, I'm ready. All right. Well, Let's we go. are. We're doing. Um, the DC, the new frontier. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, by uh, Darwin Cook, the Darwin Cook. R.I.P. R.I.P. Unfortunately. R.I.P. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, like I said earlier, this was my choice. Um, I felt like you know, I we just got back from WonderCon. I wanted to do something kind of epic. So, so yeah, this is uh, this is my choice. And I'm very happy we did, did this mm-hmm. because, um, yeah, I think we've all read this before, but for me, it's been at least 10 years. I don't know how long it's been for, for you or, or Carrie Richard. Um, but, um, but yeah, we were kind of discussing before we started recording. It's just like, um, there's a lot of little nuances. I don't think I caught when I first read this the first time. And this is one of those things where like nostalgia be damned. Like this was better. <laughs> the second time I've read, you know, the second or actually, I think this might be my third time reading this, but still, it's just, um, yeah, it it holds up. Um, well, so I guess we'll I'll go ahead and get into a quick uh description of it, um, just and then we'll start just uh discussing the hell out of it. Um, but basically, this is the um, this is Darwin Cook's um, magnum opus about what happened in the dc universe between the golden and silver ages um kind of uh as uh, most of you know uh superhero comics kind of fell out uh after world war ii and uh as well as um because of the war and also because of um the like seduction of the innocent book that got published and everything so um in in continuity what it is is that um it's the mccarthy uh trial to say so superhero comics were drag shows in the 1950s ah that that's a great one yeah. <laughs> Effectively, yeah. hey this thing that people enjoy and it really isn't hurt anything someone just decided that like uh that's their target now exactly. so that's that that's what happened to superhero books in the 1950s exactly and um but it, the uh, in-story version is it's, it's equally as terrible because it's uh, basically the McCarthy trials happen and they want to force all the um, like the the super mass superheroes to unmask because uh, they're all being accused of being commies and uh, and and to be true Americans they have to to reveal who they are. So um, obviously, like so, the JSA um, retires. And um, and basically, really, the only three active superheroes are Superman and Wonder Woman, who are basically shills of the uh, of the of the government. Yeah, and, they signed up for the with the government. Yes, and uh, and Batman, who is um, well, you're originally led to believe that he is working independent and 
uh, against the wishes of the of the U.S. government, or especially Superman. But you find out later that uh, Super- no, he is working against the wishes of U.S. Oh, government. It's oh, yeah. just the one naughty thing that Superman does is allow Batman a, to operate. Is allow him to operate. Exactly. Like, that's the only time he's not uh, towing the company line. Exactly. Um. And and uh. And so the what's what's beautiful about this book is that it ties in real life history with the uh, with comic book history um for example like the um uh superman and wonder woman are working in indochina uh during like the beginnings of the of like vietnam war and the indo-korean war um uh there's some some beautiful moments there uh and uh as the story is going along uh interestingly enough in the same years that the characters were introduced, um, the Silver Age characters that were introduced that became the the prominent uh, DC characters from then and going forward, um, those those characters are introduced in that order mm-hmm. in this story and uh, in those same years. So you kind of like the first like superhero, um, actual superhero is like the flash just like in the silver age you know and then um you meet like a young hal jordan and he slowly becomes you know green lantern you meet martian manhunter um you also what what one thing that makes this very interesting to me is that um you get like the challenge of the unknown you get task force x you know before they were like the the superhero super suicide squad you know that you get you get all like the the comics the task force x characters are they original characters is there Um, a dc analog for them no they're they're all they were all um the original task force x sorry i keep saying s but yeah, they yeah they were the original. Suicide wait, wait. There's a Tax Force X before the Suicide Squad. Yep, they were. Yeah. Oh, okay. It, I it, never it knew was, that. In the sixties, they were called the Suicide Squad as well. But they were, but it was it was more like they were like. You oh, know, okay. Doing... I, I thought Suicide Squad was just a product of the eighties. I no, had no idea. No, they 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 readopted the name in the eighties to to make it the what what it, we know as it is nowadays. But yeah, Rick, oh, Rick, the reason why Rick Flagg Jr. is a big part of the 80s one is because Rick Flagg Sr. was like the original leader of, of the Suicide Squad. Um, so yeah, we we get that. We get basically challenges of the unknown and we're in our immense to talk about Kirby's uh, run during Marvel a few few uh, episodes ago. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about how like the challenges of the unknown were like the prototype of um, of the Fantastic Four. And so, like, I remember know. being a kid and uh, mm-hmm. finding out about the challenges of the unknown and being like, oh my God, like, I probably read about them in Wizard Magazine. I was just <laughs> like, oh my God, the, yeah. that Marvel ripped off the Fantastic Four. And then, like, like it was probably years later that I was like, oh, they're both created by Jack Kirby. He's just awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. And literally, because, like, literally, like, I had a good idea, but I repurposed it. <laughs> literally, the, uh, the strongman, like, guy who basically the thing was like the the version of his, the guy's name was rocky <laughs> and like so yeah and the thing is rocky so yeah there's definitely and then red was the human torch you know mm-hmm. so yeah there's definitely like yeah. a lot of analogs there too um but yeah um so um so so basically the 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 main plot of the story is um uh, basically the rebirth of superheroes um meanwhile what happens is that there's a an island um the uh, basically dinosaur island the island that time forgot uh that um 
turns out that it's more than what it seems and that it might actually be a ancient psychic being that's trying to uh eliminate humanity because of the advent of the nuclear bomb mm-hmm. and so there basically wants to wants to go travel to the cosmos but before he does he wants to clean house and get rid of humans um uh, so um the, basically this is the story this is like how the superheroes come to age and come together kind of like the you know the birth of the justice league essentially mm-hmm. in fact when they made the cartoon version of this um a few years later they called it justice league the new frontier for that reason because this was uh you know it is mm-hmm. part part of this is the introduction to the, the justice league mm-hmm. um, i really wanted to rewatch that yeah when we were I done did, reading. Too, did not have a chance either, either but but yeah it that that's a great adaptation like i personally this is much better and obviously it's much better because there's a lot more you know there's a lot more time and like you know you have literally 500 pages of a comic to read and it is dense but even though it's dense it still feels that like time passes pretty fast when you're reading it because it's entertaining as hell um yeah uh i actually watched the movie before i read the comic so i was kind of wanted to rewatch it because i've never watched it since i read the book originally oh okay so um and then like that for me i had read the book originally and then it was a few years and i finally watched the cartoon uh the movie and then um and i totally had kind of forgot about what happened in the in the comics so mm-hmm. then i reread the comic again yeah so it kind of i kind of sandwiched it uh with with uh watching this show uh but um, I'll uh, I'll stop my kind of my synopsis here, uh, because in my personal opinion, besides the amazing art, um, what makes this comic uh, so great is like the individuals, like the, the individual stories in this book, and like uh, how everyone's fleshed out and like mm-hmm. their individual stories and how they all kind of like intertwine together to create this one large story mm-hmm. and. To do to talk about that, we we're gonna have to get into spoilers and kind of you know get get into the nitty gritty of it all. So, um, I guess yeah, this is your your spoiler moment. If you haven't read this already, stop re listening, go read it and come back because this is an absolute classic. There's no doubt about it. I'm I'm not I'm not joking around. <laughs> like definitely read this yeah i i will say as um someone who always claims that she's on the tertiary um edge of comic books and all sorts of things it's um it's pretty good it's pretty phenomenal um it, mm-hmm. makes, it, it makes you very sad that darwin cook passed away because mm-hmm. you kind of wonder what other um amazing things would have come later as uh you know his career entered into the later part of stuff. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, so we're, uh, so what did you guys think about the book? Hated it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's great. It's a classic for a reason. I mean, and it's like, it's a great primer book. If someone wants to get into comics, it's like, do you want just like a little pre primer in the DC universe? Absolutely. Just hand them this. (laughs) Absolutely. Exactly. One thing um, I felt upon reading it, though, is that um, I felt like it borrowed a lot from uh, Watchmen, 
Like mm-hmm. there, this is an error that I feel like DC doesn't flesh out as much and watch Watchmen fleshes out a lot. This little error between when uh, there's golden age superheroes and the silver age superheroes. And w- what I feel it does is that it takes a lot of stuff that's in Watchmen, which is uh, a pastiche of the DC universe and it plugs it back into the DC universe and it works very well. <laughs> yep. No, absolutely. And and I didn't really think about that until you mentioned it, but I can totally I totally see it. Um it is, yeah, there um especially like the parts of um of Watchmen that take place in uh during the Vietnam War with the comedian mm-hmm. and, and Dr. Manhattan. And even uh John Henry is a lot like Hooded Justice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It and gets this uh, the, the pretty much close to a same like ignominious end. Um mm-hmm. And then, consequently, Darwin Cook wrote and uh, drew the Minuteman series when they did before Watchmen. It's the best thing in before Watchmen. It's the only thing worth reading there. Yeah, a lot absolutely. of the other stuff's good, but that's the best thing. But it's just, it was so funny that, like, having the experience of reading them all now, I was just like, oh, like, it's almost kind of like he did the same book twice, but they're both very good in their own ways. So I, I'm not mad at them. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely, 100%. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it is, it's kind of, like we just said, kind of sad that that we lost Cook so fast, you know, so so early, and also, um, and then when Comicsgate hit, a lot of the Comicsgaters were trying to say, "Oh yeah, Darwin Cook would have been one of us," and then basically his wife, like who was who's not a social media person, had to get on social media and be like, "Shut the fuck up!" Like he was, he would have never been a Comicsgate person, you know, like. Like you guys are just idiots, but anyways, mm-hmm. sorry, <laughs> I digress. Um, so, um, Carrie had to step away for a second, uh, but um, we'll we'll continue our conversation. Uh, well, do you have okay? When it comes to the non superhero teams, like the losers, the uh, ta- task force Force X, and uh, for Challenger of the Unknown, um, do you have like a favorite of those teams? From this book, I have to say, um, I've read very little of any of those teams outside of this book. I will say this: the way that you start off with the lo- the end of the losers at the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. like it, it, it kind of like weighs on your memory pretty heavy. Like it's super memorable. Like I want to say the challengers are probably like the stars of those non superhero groups yes. in this book, but like how the losers, how all that goes out down and they go out. It kind of it sticks with you at the very least. Uh, yep, absolutely. And uh, I and when I was when I was reading that this time around, I was like, Darwin Cook purposely pastes this book just or pastes part of the story just so he gets a whole bunch of like single page spreads of uh, dinosaurs that he gets to draw because yeah, there's some great like one pagers um in in this part of the of the book i mean the entire book there is but like this part like where where they first discovered the t-rex and everything yeah. like yeah there's just some some wonderful like one panel pages that that are that are just i can just look at all day um no i i agree like the the loser story in the beginning even though it's such a, it ends up to being such a small part of the whole story is is extremely interesting and then um you get into um but I, but I do agree, like that the like the challenges on the, on the unknown, because like Ace Morgan is a big part of like the Hal Jordan story, and um and then and 
also like you kind of get into you never see the actual crash but like you know you kind of learn and like and go along with all the characters that become the uh the challengers and you you they there's a good focus on them as well so both times i've read this when they mm-hmm. introduced red i thought it was going to be uh he was going to be dead man and I was like, "Oh yeah, they're not doing Dead Man. They're doing a challenger to the unknown thing." Yeah, because he's a he's a uh, circus stuntman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point, and it's kind of funny because, like, you know, obviously this character came way years before the you know Dead Man, but it's funny how like certain tropes just seem to recycle right. in in comics. Because even like the circus thing, you know, with like Dick Grayson and stuff, you know, like, it, you know. Um, during this era, you know, I guess that was like the big fun. It was either the carnival or the uh, or the circus was coming to town. It was like the the pause and monotony. So it was it was important when you know. So I can see why that kind of stuff uh, was um, kind of prevalent in the this era of comics. Um, one thing uh, that I have reading this this time around i definitely noticed it and this is not a critique of darwin cook at all it's more of a critique of the time there is an extreme lack of diversity in this book um they had to create a black character for the book exactly (laughs) and i was about to say that and then and unfortunately he's very tertiary in the book as well but um and, and, and but it is it is it's definitely indicative of the times that that like they couldn't pull a black character from this era they had to create one and um and it is one of my favorite parts of the book too is is his story i mean um and i'm glad that that cook dives into you know the um you know the you know the civil rights era and everything which and then and how it inspires like you know um Martian manhunter and everything so it's just yeah i um it is kind of sad, and then and as well as like the female characters, you know, are very spare as well. They're definitely side characters, except for one Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, she's which, um, I was telling Carrie before we started recording, um, the or like oh, when we both finished, this is my favorite Wonder Woman. Like, it's a very it's a great Wonder Woman, <laughs> yeah, hands, hands down, like, like. The, her design obviously like the way she looks of like is is great but also like her personality cook nails it because she's not i mean she's a warrior but she's not a warrior first it's themiscara being an amazon it's all about like like solving the problems and the issues you know first by talking and discussing and and through love and then if if love is not an option, then punching someone in the face is, you know, like that's, that, that's, that's Wonder Woman, you know? Mm. And yes, so, absolutely. Oh, Carrie's back. Sorry. No, no worries. We had a dog issue. Um, but, um, but yeah, the, um, uh, so, and then like with, when you first kind of get a, a, a good Wonder Woman splash page, it's uh, her celebrating with the, uh, the Vietnamese women that, that she rescued that were like in like sex trafficking. Um, mm-hmm. And she's like partying down with them because uh, yeah, she's like yeah. strong and fierce and sexy, but kind. And the thing is, is this is that she's here to help people, but like she's like an immortal, so she's like, oh, you're not living up to your ideals. Whereas Superman is just kind of like, who's in charge is in charge. 
She's just yeah. like, no, I'm a, my own person with my own mind, exactly. and this doesn't jive with me, so I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, then, but yeah, she's she's really cool. And she gets shut down by even like Richard Nixon because she's not towing the government like line, and that for that reason because you know she you know she's lived a lot longer and she's a lot wiser and, and she's it's not like a, like some of the best Captain America stuff is when he's going against the government because he's like no the government yeah, is wrong exactly <laughs> and that's like the true spirit of America is like you know like we're 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 supposed to be rebels at heart and i'm not talking about like southern rebels i'm mm, talking about just, yeah eh. you don't want to do that bro yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um but speaking about like individual characters like i said uh, like wonder woman is this is like my favorite wonder woman and and i've read a lot of wonder woman and like i i um and i do like it when she's portrayed like the way the marston's kind of portrayed her where she was um, you know, like, you know, she she wasn't like rah rah, I'm gonna, you know, kick everyone's ass. It was like, you know, we're go we're gonna solve this somehow. And unfortunately sometimes it has to be with violence, you know. Yeah, well I I think her character is so nuanced in mm-hmm. it in her in her integrity. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a very modern female role it is and so i think that's why it's also very refreshing to read it in this you know in this particular setting Mm -hmm. because she is so just like going against the grain like everybody's saying you know i'll just piggyback on it but it's it is it's really nice it's it's um i think the way that she's written is I'll agree with Brian because I've read like the Gail Simone Wonder Woman mm-hmm. and you would think that a, a, a female a writer would have written Wonder Woman the best and I would really say for this iteration like this version I think um, I think Darwin Cook just really yeah. knocked it out of the park. I and, I love her character so much. And Simone's version's wonderful. Yeah yeah it's not still. it's not shitting on that it's yeah. just like if I have to compare the two. Yeah it's this one is and is pretty cool like this and funny enough another another man but greg Rucka's run is amazing as well um and and more recently i i actually en- really enjoyed the becky clunan um run i'm um, i'm totally f- skipping on the name of the co-writer who's also her husband <laughs> but, but uh. yeah yeah, no, my uh, my quintessential Wonder Woman run is that there's a uh, mid 2000s Greg Rucka run. Mm-hmm. That's where great. that's really good. Um, Carrie, they open a Themyscira uh, embassy in the United States, so she's the ambassador to Themyscira on top of being Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a really good book. Fun yeah. time. Um, now as for other favorite characters of this book, personally, when I first read this. I think my favorite character was Hal. Um, but this time around, hands down, aside from Wonder Woman, um, I'll have I have to say I love um Martian Manhunter and John Jones and mm-hmm. this. Yeah, he's really good enough. This this in my opinion is his book. Like I, I know that I think Hal gets more screen time mm-hmm. than um than John does, but I feel like John's like the heart of this book. Right, right. He has the better emotional journey. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely absolutely yeah and then his relationship with king faraday oh that's so yeah. good so yeah and also when they're playing chess i'm like 
you know this guy can read your mind right? like, <laughs> but I, I think i think um he's purposely not reading his mind so that he can uh they can have actually a fun game of chess <laughs> you know but um and then how batman is the only person who can sneak up on him uh-huh <laughs> yeah know, like somehow batman can shield his thoughts uh-huh. so yeah mm. i yeah just... i do love batman in this thing you yes. said pretty sparingly but it's like yeah. everything that you want and expect out of batman yes. he's super mysterious yes. he's yeah. on the right side of it he's, he he's on top of everything and like he knows when it's like oh like this ain't Batman stuff. Like, let me give the information mm-hmm. to Superman because I can't handle this. Exactly. But I really like Batman in this. Um, uh, other characters I really enjoy this. I feel like it does a great Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen. Like, yes, uh, yes. The sex pot stuff that she does, but it's just to further her profession. She's not like yep. gonna yeah. sleep with anybody. She's not yep. interested in anybody. But she's just like, these are the keys that open the door. So these uh-huh. are the keys I'm gonna use. Yep. And just exactly. Jimmy is just kind of like. He's a kid, but he's going to throw himself into Eddie Harb's way to get that shot. Like, they're really yeah, fun in the book. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I uh, love them, too. Yeah, this is one of the best portrayals of them as well, um, by by far. Um, and- I personally loved um, Barry... Barry Allen? Barry Allen. Wait, yeah. that's... Flash? Yeah, the Flash. Yeah. yeah. Um, I loved him. Yeah, I and- thought his relationship with Iris mm-hmm. is just... The sweetest. The, the the part with Captain mm-hmm. Cold. And, yes, and, like, like don't mess Vegas. with my, you know, don't mess <laughs> with my Iris. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's it's just that kind of. Again, we're 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 in a time, we're set in a time of history where, um, you kind of expect like the loved up, cutesy couple because yeah. what did we see? Like we would see it like in I Love Lucy. We mm-hmm. would see it in those types of shows from the fifties where couples are presented a certain way and so you know when uh when when there's scenes with barry and he's using the, that type of verbiage he's saying those types of things and he's like mentioning you know his love for iris it's just it's really cutesy and it's a little stereotypical but mm-hmm. it's just it's perfect it's, yeah. it's but super perfect. part of barry's character is that he's just kind of a little like He's kind of corny and hokey, and he's okay. gonna, you know, everything about him is a little hack, but it's very earnest and charming that way. Yeah. yeah. What one of his big uh, shticks was he used to do things called flashbacks, where he would literally it was basically like the GI Joe, the the you know the the more you know kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. But like yeah, so so yeah, he he's a cornball. He's he definitely mm-hmm. is. Yeah, and, I do like him a lot. Um, I like I like the fact that even though he is the fastest man alive, he still has time to give uh Iris a quick kiss. On oh my the god! Cheek. And he even says like, "I I got a little sugar." Yeah. Again, like you said, it's super like Richard. It's super cornball, but it's just mm-hmm. so fucking cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. And he totally. I mean, Captain Cold died. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was fucked up. That was but also, awesome. But he's like, "Don't mess with Iris." But yeah. I, I thought that was pretty interesting. There's, there, yeah. I mean, it is comics, and like, obviously, people come back. But I did, I did like that since this is an Elseworlds story. Like, they weren't afraid to kill off characters. They're like, yeah, you know, exactly. the raises the stakes. Like, no, they were killing named characters off because you know they could. Yeah, and yeah. that's what happens, like in real war with real stakes. Like, main characters die. <laughs> exactly, and, and um, and like really, yeah. The the stakes are the stakes are definitely high for everybody. Like even like the characters that you know have to survive, um, like 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 Hal and like and and even like with like in like with like Rick Flag 
and um, dying in the middle of it, you know. Oh, that was really yeah, sad. Yeah, that that part was definitely a big tearjerker for yeah. me. Yeah, and Karen. And then, yeah, and then you find out that yeah, that they were Rick, like Rick was like really right in Hal was because oh my gosh, because of his dad, because he was he used to be part of the same yeah, yeah. thing with his dad. Yeah, so which I usually don't like Hal Jordan. I like this Hal Jordan a lot because. It, it's it basically like the it distills the best versions of Hal, <laughs> and like he's like he's he's still the twelve year old kid in this book, as an adult, you know, like he's still trying to live up to his 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 father's like image, you know, like when you first meet him and he's like he has his dad's jacket on, he's being Chuck Yeager who used to fly with his dad. Oh um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Even like later in the book when he gets the ring. He's still that twelve-year-old kid, and he's also has major PTSD because of what happened in in the war, well, in the Korean War. Yeah, and I I think that speaks to kind of like the writing prowess and the genius of Darwin Cook is that again, so many of these like very very deep human emotions are nuanced throughout the entire you know book or whatever mm-hmm. that like you get like no everyone's complex yeah no one's an annoying character to be annoying no No one's a foil in that way so it's just really cool to see how Hal Jordan responds to all of his trauma because it's definitely traumatic what he went through and like the opening um sequence Mm -hmm. um yeah and that is if you're not expecting it it like fucks you up yeah it everyone re- dies. where everyone dies yeah it really it sets the tone for the emotional complexity throughout the throughout the rest of the book exactly. and so when you do get a hal jordan character who maybe is in cartoon versions or in other comic versions he's a little annoying he's oh, yeah. a little whatever but in this particular one everyone's so good yeah you know um and very full very fully fledged which it- i really Again, as someone who, even though we have a DC Marvel podcast, I don't really read DC or Marvel, and I'm not really familiar with all of these specific, like time specific characters. Mm-hmm. It, it's really cool, and and Richard, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said this is an excellent primer for someone yeah. getting into these characters. This is no, absolutely excellent introduction because even even characters that are out of costume, like you get Dinah. Um, Black Canary, and you get Selena Kyle. Yes, 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 yes. Grant. Um, yeah. Uh, Wildcat as the boxer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's fighting Muhammad Ali, right? Yeah. Yes. He's yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> I was just like when he beat when he beats Cassius Clay, I was just like, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And just because going back to like the lack of diversity, it's like. Dude, like Cassius Clay with this one. I know Ted Grant's our hero in the story, but you know, like, yeah, let let let, let Clay win. <laughs> like, you know, but that, but that's a that's a small a small complaint in that in that whole thing. But um, but when I was talking about like the female characters as well, despite like you know a lack uh, obviously of like female superhero characters, um, like when we get like female leads in this story they are all pretty fleshed out and strong like carol ferris 
is is a, a pretty awesome character mm-hmm. she she takes no shit from anybody even like rick flag it's kind of like you know has to be careful what how she he talks around her you know and um as well as um you know like lois as we as we were discussing earlier and so yeah i mean just like some really cool characters okay i have to say yes the part where after the big battle and everyone thought superman was dead mm-hmm and then Aquaman comes out with Superman. But it's also at a time that they don't know Aquaman exists. So he, yes, 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 just yes, some yes. dude yeah. shows up. There's some dude that says, I'm here in peace like, or whatever. I'm King Arthur. I'm King from the, yeah. <laughs> and then he's holding Superman. And he was like, he's asking for a woman named Lois. Mm-hmm. The way that that particular panel is drawn is everyone in the background, all the other heroes and like random like army people they're all smiling, like huge smiles. Like everyone's so excited. And Lois is drawn in the forefront of the panel with this very wistful, like almost like a look of disbelief. Yeah, she looks like face. she's probably going to pl- pl- cry yeah. in a panel that we don't it's, see. But like tears of joy. So, <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. just the sweetest. And again, out of probably out of all of the DC characters, I think Superman by far is the lamest one. Um, mm-hmm. And I really, I just love love. And I love all versions of love. And I just think that was really sweet. I, it, there's, it's something for people who like romance. I'm like, yay. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good ending. It absolutely. And even though um, like Superman, Wonder Woman and Batman are part of this, um, what makes you actually really like this as well is n- this is not their story. Mm-mm. They are definitely the side characters in this. Yeah. And um, what I think, and Karen and I kind of had a quick discussion earlier about this. Um, like what I really like about this too is that um, you get Golden Age Superman and you get Golden Age Batman, especially um, in the beginning of this book, and then by the end of the book, they they are now Silver Age Spider or Spider Man. <laughs> guess what guess what happened no uh they're they're silver age superman and super and batman like batman's his edge is is gone and you find out it's because he was scaring kids is why he decided like oh yeah there's that whole scene that he rescues the kid from being sacrificed and when he goes to try to actually save him like the kid's terrified of him Uh i I love the when he told when he told superman he's like i got in this i i wear this to scare criminals not children and I was like, oh, that's that's pretty awesome. And that's more of like the Silver Age vibe. And I think that's more familiar to us because even though obviously we were were way too young to have read in the Silver Age, that those tropes more carried over into the Bronze and Modern Ages um, than like the Golden Age stuff. And like because like this Superman, um, you know, like he he becomes not not much as much of a line tower as he is in the beginning of the book. You know, right. like that, like the the truth, justice, and American way, and 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 like there's no gray area. Superman of the Golden Age mm-hmm. dies in this book, and it becomes more of a like, um, you know, like I actually have to use my brain and figure out what I need to say yes and no to, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. So it's nice that the that the most powerful person on earth is not just a a, a line tower, <laughs> you know. So. One of my um, personal favorite parts of the book is that uh, when they're tackling real subjects, they create a mm-hmm. new character of John Henry, and it's yes. a man named John Wilson, and yep. he basically taking 
the form of the uh like tall tale character of john Hen henry mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he dons like a black hood and he has a sledgehammer he's a steel driving man and the steel is actually like a uh, ku klux klan members it's pretty great <laughs> yeah um <laughs> if, if there's one thing that and, and nice... they even make the commentary about how you know these superheroes are doing stuff for broad like once they have government superheroes of wonder woman and uh superman but they're not fighting the injustices at home uh -huh. and yep. how like America isn't living up to the promises that it's made and like the things that we espouse that we believe in. And it's sad mm -hmm. because it feels, it feels more poignant now than when I read this the first time, because yeah. like the country's in a very bad place. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Like that's what I'm, and, like, I'm reading it now. And I was just like, Oh, this is all too real. And they're, they're basically talking about stuff that we went through in the fifties. So about 70 years later, everything that's old is new again uh-huh yep exactly 100 i mean yeah when i read this originally i was like oh you know it's kind of like the past and whatnot and like yeah there is one thing that is almost as equal as as satisfying as punching a nazi as punching a kkk member and and then so that was nice and oh, I, I would say that that's yeah. more <laughs> more gratifying yeah, yeah I, you know what yeah i i agree actually <laughs> and um and and so um and then and that was nice to see that again. And but this time around, it's like, oh, we're not talking about the past anymore. This is current day stuff. Still. Yeah, it feels it, it feels oh. much closer to home. Yeah, it does, unfortunately. And um, yeah, there's there's a little bit of a content warning. Um, it is because of of its era. Um, you know, there is a part where the the n word is used. Um, in the book. Um, but it's not. You know. Not by a likable character, and as well, um, but then uh, a likable character does use the the R word. But this mm -hmm. is once again, it's um, this book was written in the early two thousands, where that wasn't really, you know, considered. But no, it's not that. It's that he's a person in the fifties, and that's how people yeah. spoke. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's him. Uh, Definitely. I've never wanted to punch a little girl more more oh. in the face. Oh than God! When she dropped it, I was like, "Oh, fuck you, bitch!" Because you think like, "Oh, she's gonna be cool," and then it's like, "Yeah." Nope. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, um, I was telling you guys before we started recording, I saw uh, To Kill a Mockingbird the other night, and I was just yeah. like, oh, look, it's happening again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I reread that, that uh, you know, a little while ago, and I was like, this is way too real nowadays. You know, um, the, uh, we also, just before we recorded, we were talking about um, some of this stuff as well, and um, Tom, Klamatu, um, aka um the psychic of Green Lantern. I love how the his very racist nickname was addressed in this book as well. So um I thought that was a cool, a cool retcon that Darwin Cook did to this to this universe. Because like if you know reading the the Hal and the Kyle uh Green Lantern books, Tom is a cool character and like in during the era that he was created, he definitely was not given the reverence and the love that he deserved. So I kind of liked how he was just like, "What did you call me? Do I look like a pastry?" Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, yeah, he was, he was ready to throw down. Yeah. That was um, cool. Also, to the the Watchmen thing, I was making the center is kind of like the uh, alien blob thing in Watchmen that the artists make. It, yeah. <laughs> and instead of blowing up, it just shrinks. 
<laughs> I don't know. I'm just like, I, I, the whole time I read this, I was like, oh my God, I feel like there's just a lot of Watchmen stuff in here. <laughs> the, the, yeah, I could definitely see the, the influence uh, with, with from the Watchmen. Um, yeah, the center, yeah, is, is kind of the, uh, the octopus. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but this time it's not um, uh, a superhero doing this to, to unite the world. It's literally a, a creature to destroy the world, which actually, um, so usually brings up the point that I was thinking too, is that even though, you know, you do see like a, a, um, a fight with Starro at the end when they're kind of going through the whole speech uh, mm-hmm. for JFK, um, I, then that's traditionally the first battle of the Justice League of America. That was like the first appearance was them fighting Starro. Yeah, they fight Starro. Um, I kind of like that Cook didn't have Starro be the big bad in this book. I like I liked how it was it was literally a something from a comic, you know, like the 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 uh, the the dinosaur island was like its own comic thing during like the fifties, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so I like how that became a sentient com you know island and yes like Krakoa and stuff like that, but you know I mean like this is definitely its own its own thing still, and um, well what did you guys think about some of the characters that weren't used as much as they could like aquaman for one um adam strange um oh, I, I mean i don't Ray care Palmer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. like it's yeah. like um we told a great story like we didn't have space for you that's that's how that works yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it, it wasn't I like don't... oh my god there should have been more aquaman no everything here is yeah. great I, don't... I i think i think um that this would have been a a prime case where a sequel to a to a legendary book would have been a good thing um, and that usually is not the case. Um, I I don't know if I agree with that. Okay. I do think that the re- the reason that this book does so well is it doesn't throw any quote unquote unnecessary characters. Yeah, at there's you. nothing superfluous here. At every character serves a purpose. Every yeah. story serves a purpose. I feel like if there would have been a um of like a follow-up or a sequel it would have been a lesser quality book simply mm-hmm. because you're throwing in more characters that you didn't need to continue you don't need to continue the story nor do you need to um add more people to it yeah. it, it it's really a, a self-contained entity and i think that's why it's so good it- and the moments we get Adam Strange and like Aquaman, there's a purpose to the story. Absolutely, yeah. every character yeah. serves a purpose, even right. every, for a couple of panels. Yeah, it all is to move the story forward. Like, and I think like there's a few cameos in there that like you know are superfluous, but I do enjoy them. Like, I, like the whole time I was just like, oh, I'm surprised that there's no uh, Vandal Savage in there. It's like because they already have Vandal Savage locked up. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thought, he thought about it and he already took care of it for me. I was I, just like, Good. yeah, <laughs> I love that one. And um, and also, I mean, he, he becomes a little more than a cameo towards the end, but like Nathaniel Adam, who becomes yeah, Captain, Captain Adam, yeah, Adam. you kind of see his origin there. <laughs> yeah, exactly towards the towards the end of the of the book, I, but and then it hits it on the nose when they literally call him Captain Adam, but that you know because his last name is A D A M. Not ATOM. Like, and I'm sure this is something that Darwin Cook played with. The only reason you would have more Aquaman is because you're talking about naval and submarine warfare during World War II. Yeah. And you, this story does not include 
that much of World War II in the mm-hmm. present moment. It's all in the past. So that I think that's why it didn't feel necessary yeah. to have someone like Aquaman. Yeah. Plus, Jason Mimosa did not star as Aquaman in there. So <laughs> no. I don't think he also felt it was necessary. Um, um, one thing I also liked in the uh, design, like all their costumes are a little bit baggy. Like it's not str- like you can tell like these are all the first runs of all all these superhero costumes because yeah. they're all a little <laughs> bit baggy. They're not fitted. Like the characters <laughs> definitely look like they're like like Superman looks muscular, but like it's not like how it is today where it's like oh you can see all the rippling muscles it's in that that you know style of the of that era where it's just kind of like they're a little bit less defined mm-hmm. and and they're wearing boxer shorts not under like tidy whitey style underwear either mm-hmm. like yeah so like when it comes to like the uh the, the pants and everything um also i that and speaking of like the the kind of the gag that they have with uh martian manhunter where where he's like oh i want to like appear as a superhero and then like um and king and like he basically appears the way he does like you know traditionally in, mm-hmm. in comics and then like faraday's like don't do that <laughs> like, like yeah he makes them wear pants that's ridiculous you, like, real men wear pants yeah mm-hmm. like, that was yeah, that was fun a, again every everything yeah. is set to the time and it's really good and mm-hmm. uh, very very entertaining let me get an invisible jet cameo sea devils blackhawks it's all yeah a lot of fun stuff in here um it's like oh you see dr magnus but there's no metal men yet like you see uh i forget his name from uh doom patrol that doctor but there's no doom patrol yet you you mean professor x (laughs) uh pretty much yes (laughs) yeah which i i am a are you i know that we're uh, wrapping up but really quick um are you a believer that uh the x-men ripped off doom patrol or do you think that was just kind of like-minded ideas that just happen to happen at the same time um no i mean if something's successful a few years before of course it's, they're gonna rip it off mm-hmm. like are, are the like isn't it like doom patrol like four or five years before no it was like or, or... it was like five months oh yeah. really i didn't realize yeah. oh so it was... maybe it could it could be a you know a similar thought at the same time but mm-hmm. yeah also yeah. like like Thanos is a direct ripoff of Dark Side. The people at Marvel are like, hey, they have one of those. Why don't we have one of those? So yeah, exactly. Uh, um, what did you um, did did you by any chance for sure read the uh, the the back the backstories like the the little mini stories at the end of the book? You know, what do you mean? Uh, like the um, the like the Superman Batman were, story where the, you actually see the battle that they had between each other with Wonder Woman intervening. Like oh no yeah the epilogue epilogue stories and they have like the Teen Titans like the origin of the Teen Titans story and everything oh is this oh I think that's a it's a did you have a collection this is like the special the special edition this is the version that um that oh, we all so that um, I I think I've read that book that you're talking about but it's a uh, a one shot that came out when the uh, animated movie came out and it fleshes yeah. out some of the stories more yeah so I, I yeah I, I I thought I didn't think we were gonna cover that so I just read the first six issues oh. of the book. No, 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 which, which, but yeah. I've read, I've read that before in the past. Yeah, and I was just gonna say that 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 was that was like a lot of fun, and it's definitely worth mm-hmm. reading too. Um, I wasn't planning on reading it, but then like, because like it took so long to read the actual story, and right. then I exactly, was, and then I was like, <laughs> but but I was like, I was like so I was like an addict. I was like, I want more Darwin Cook superheroes. So I'm gonna read all these. <laughs> yeah, so um, no, no, uh, I remember it being really good and fun, but yeah. I just didn't read it before we read this. 
yeah, the good Wonder Woman moments. Yeah, it's it's just it's pretty cool. Um, all right. Well, any final thoughts or it's really good. You should read it. Yeah. You want to elaborate on that, Carrie? No, I don't. I want us to wrap up. I'm hungry. <laughs> I don't. I have to it. fucking edit. God damn it. <laughs> I've been doing the wrap up sign for like the last five minutes to Brian and he keeps goddamn talking. Sorry. <laughs> I leave tomorrow on a trip, but I've got a lot of shit to okay. do. Well, um, yeah, if you guys don't have anything else. <laughs> well, no, no. I, I I would like to talk about what I do have for the next 20 minutes. No, New Frontier is a really good book. You know, you guys are used to us covering like really good Marvel DC books every week. And this is one of the best. Yeah. yeah. And Elsa um, Chartier, even though she doesn't do a lot of DC Marvel stuff, um, I feel like it's kind of like has taken the helm of Darwin Cook and does like has kind of like the same vibe with with her work as well. And she did that um, comic with uh, with Tom King, um, The Love Everlasting, which we've never talked about in this before because it's not big, too. But um, but yeah, it's a it's a pretty good series. I know it's blasphemy to say on this this podcast, but yeah, it's it's good. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, if that's it, I guess we'll go ahead and, and uh, stop this train of rolling and, and uh, close this one out. If you guys are ready, yes. All right. I do have my closing notes. Which actually, Karen, do you want to start doing the closings on the episodes going forward? Okay. Maybe, yeah, maybe next episode. <laughs> um. Yeah, so Darwin Cook. No, I'm joking. Okay. Oh all right. Um, so we have reached the end of the show. We're all hungry. Uh, thank you to everyone listening to the show. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Good Pods, CDB Pod. Uh, for the book clubbers on Friday, we'll announce what book we're doing the next week. Uh, on Instagram, uh, you can email us at comicsisarebetter at gmail.com. Website, uh, don't talk about it. And um, Richard, where can we find you? I'm um, at Topcat360 all over social media doing stuff. It's baseball season. Have fun. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And uh, we're getting into hockey playoffs too uh, uh, at the mid month in April. I think April 13th is with the last uh, day of the regular season. So excited about that. Um, I'm Bryce underscore CB on Instagram. Harry, do you have anything else before we wrap up? Mm-mm. All right. Well, then, in that case, for Richard and Carrie. I'm Brian, and this has been the Comics Deserve Better podcast. And remember, comics deserve better, and everyone deserves comics. Bye. Bye. And also, later. April, April Fools. Fools. We're still an independent comic book podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed this special episode. But we still really like the new frontier, so yeah. go read it. Yeah, definitely. That part is not April Fools. All right. <laughs> this is a, I, we do a cop independent comic podcast. I yeah. know. Oh, April Fools, Richard. Yeah, it turns out that Richard has just been reading DC and Marvel, and it just turns out <laughs> it just coincides with what we're reading <laughs> for the podcast. Okay. All right. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Yay. Where is it?